Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Improve Me podcast. Before I start today, rather than going into the usual stuff, I thought I'd tell you something that I find a little bit funny. It's more of a, an insight into how my brain works and how I think about stuff. So if you've listened to any episode to the end, you'll know the last thing I say every episode is concerning my blood type. And I just had a weird, funny kind of thought about that. Now, I'm, I'm picturing myself laying in the street, needing med- medical attention, you know, after some sort of, you know, non-life-threatening accident and the paramedic standing over me saying, what's your blood type? I need to know your blood type. And I'm replying in like a semi-groggy state, just listen to the podcast. <laughs> I assume 99% of you aren't laughing right now, but like I said, that that's just a little insight into my sense of humor. Um, yeah, a lot of people would agree, isn't that funny? But anyway, okay, enough of that. Today, I'll be talking about the difference between empathy and sympathy, how to gain more and how to prevent yourself from running out. Now, the terms empathy and sympathy are often confused, and there's a good reason for that. Both of the words deal with the relationship a person has to the feelings and experiences of another person. One involves feeling a certain way about a person, and the other involves feeling the same way that that person does. In this podcast episode, I'll explain the subtle differences between sympathy and empathy, discuss how each term is used, and provide some examples of each term. Like most things, I'll explain why in most cases it's positive, but also can be negative in some situations or for some specific people. So what's the difference between sympathy and empathy? If you're interested, both sympathy and empathy have connections to the Greek term pathos, meaning suffering and feeling, and sympathy happens to be the older of the two terms. It became part of the English language in the mid-1500s somewhere, but since then the term has come to be used in a more specific way. These days, sympathy is generally used to convey commiseration, pity, feelings of sorrow for someone else who's experiencing some kind of loss or misfortune. Greeting cards labelled sympathy specialise in messages of support and sorrow for others in times of need. You know, you, you feel bad for them, right? But you don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. Empathy entered the English language a few centuries after sympathy in the late 1800s. Yeah, and that had more of a, a technical even though now obsolete meaning from that field of psychology. Psychologists began using empathy as a translation for the German term Einfühlung, where the concept that a person could project their own feelings onto a viewed object. So unlike sympathy, empathy has come to be used in a broader way than it was when it was first introduced. The term is now more often used to refer to the capacity or the, the ability to imagine yourself in the situation of someone else, experiencing the emotions, the ideas or opinions of that person. So again, what's the difference between empathy and sympathy? And which one should you practice? Well, let's have a look at how empathy and sympathy differ and why one of them is a better tool to help 
you know, connect with others in the workplace and also throughout life in general. So the key characteristics, understanding the difference between empathy and sympathy can help you choose the most appropriate one depending on your circumstances. While empathy supports a deeper connection, there are times when a sympathetic response is going to be more suitable. So to clarify, here are a few examples. With empathy, you're feeling what someone else feels. You're actively listening to what they have to say. You're not judging. You're being aware of nonverbal cues and you're discovering their perspective and acknowledging everyone's feelings. Empathy is the ability to understand and share a person's feelings. If you're an empathetic person, you can listen to what someone else has to say without judgment. And this ability to connect is not limited by your own experiences. An empathetic person can feel someone else's emotions regardless of their own personal experiences. You're also able to simply listen without feeling forced to provide unwanted advice. Plus, you, you, know, you can acknowledge everyone's feelings in a given situation. This is particularly helpful in leadership positions in work, for example. Looking at the bigger picture can help make more informed decisions. So practicing empathy instead of sympathy only can help you get the emotional clarity you need to build important relationships. It can basically let you see another point of view. Having empathy can also help you to improve your communication skills. That's because you're able to listen fully to others and understand their perspective. In fact, research shows that empathy can even help sustain cooperation during social dilemmas. Studies have found that in a service setting, for example, empathy can reduce discrimination and unethical behaviour. This, you know, this is important to promote a happier, healthy workplace and to build a sense of belonging. This is obviously going to be difficult when you're dealing with narcissistic, toxic or entitled people. Um, you know, when you throw them into the mix, that's not going to be great. But that's not a good enough reason to not better ourselves as individuals. So what's sympathy? Unlike empathy, practicing sympathy doesn't mean you feel what someone else feels. Instead, you're going to feel pity or, or sorrow. You, you know, you're going to feel sorry for someone else's feelings. You feel bad for someone, but you don't understand how they feel. A sympathetic approach only provides like a surface level of understanding of someone else's situation. And this understanding is typically from your perspective, not from theirs. Sympathy can also lead someone to give unsolicited advice. I mean, you're trying to help the other person deal with their emotions. So when offering this advice, it's common for sympathetic people to pass judgment. Unlike empathy, it's still possible to pass judgment whilst being sympathetic. So what can seem like empathy, but actually isn't? Some scenarios can feel like empathy, but they're really not empathy at all. You know, someone in grief, if, you know, if you're supporting someone who is grieving, um, that's a great example of what could be empathy, but isn't always. When you see someone in grief, you tell them how sorry you are, and it can feel like you're empathetic to their situation. After all, you know that it must be terrible to live a loss like they're currently going through. You might even take the time to, you know, send them flowers or a card. But this is an example of sympathy. That's why most cards designed for people in grief say, quote unquote, our sympathies. And they're called sympathy cards for a reason. Showing empathy requires a lot more than offering your condolences. It takes effort to imagine yourself in the grieving person's shoes. It also takes effort to be there for them and offer them the support they might need, or at least appreciate. Imagine a coworker comes to you to complain about struggling to focus and catch up with all their work. You know, now you're bombarding them with your best time-saving techniques. You know, you're, you're trying to give them advice on how to get everything done. 
you feel like this is empathetic because you're taking the time out of your day to help them through something. But the next day, you find that this coworker comes to you again, still complaining about the same stuff. So why are they doing that? Didn't you already help them with that yesterday? This can happen because the first scenario didn't show empathy. While you did help them, you didn't take the time to connect with how they felt. When you take the time to do that, you realize there's more going on than what you previously thought. Perhaps they're having issues at home which are getting in the way of their focus and attention. So by simply listening fully to what they have to say, you help them feel heard and supported. And as a result, this coworker is now better able to focus. Sometimes people don't need any more than to feel like they've been listened to. That's all they need. Now imagine a friend who needs emotional support. A friend starts to complain about being tired because they struggle to fall asleep at night. You quickly interrupt and say, oh yeah, I know what you're going through. I've been through that before. I know it's really hard. What helped me was to do this or that, take this or that, and it works great. And although it feels like you're empathizing with them, that's not really what you're doing. Instead of focusing on the other person, you've redirected the conversation to be about you. Empathy requires you to put your own feelings aside and focus on the other person. Only by listening will you find out what the other person is looking for. So now I'm just going to briefly touch on compassion because that's kind of a bit of a crossover, right? So compassion versus empathy. Compassion and, and empathy, they're often used interchangeably and there is a commonality between them, but the two concepts are distinctly different. Both compassion and empathy are fueled by an understanding of another person's emotions. They both come with a desire and ability to connect with someone else and to feel their pain. But compassion goes a step further. An individual can recognize the pain in someone else and, and they're motivated to help them. To effectively help someone else, you should be able to manage those empathetic feelings so that they don't overwhelm you. With these feelings managed, a person then has the capacity to find an appropriate response and to see it through. So how do we become more empathetic? You know, more and more we live in our own little bubble. You know, most of us are surrounded by people who look like us, vote like us, earn similar amounts of money, spend the same way we do, are educated in the similar... You get the point, right? The, the result is an empathetic deficit. And, you know, it, it's at the root of many of the biggest problems. It's because of, you know, how homogenous people's social circles have become and, and also because humans naturally hold biases. But researchers have discovered that far from being like an immutable trait, empathy can be developed. There are steps people can take to acknowledge their biases and to move beyond their own worldviews or to try and understand those held by other people. And, you know, as a bonus, you'll probably make friends along the way. So do you want to practice empathy? While some people are naturally more empathetic, there are exercises that anyone can do to improve your levels of empathy. Research has shown that empathy makes people better managers, better workers, and better family members and friends. So whilst empathy doesn't, you know, at least on the surface, appear to be for us, it does make us better people with real tangible benefits for our own lives. But it's bigger than just its personal effect. We're all in this together, and researchers suggest that connection and compassion are crucial to a sustainable and you know, humane future for all of us. Now, some people are going to be more naturally empathetic than others, but there are easy evidence-based exercises that anyone can do to increase their empathy. Talk to new people. Trying to imagine how someone else feels 
is often not enough, according to researchers. Luckily, the solution is simple. Just ask them. The core of empathy is curiosity. Start conversations with strangers or invite a colleague or neighbour you don't know that well to lunch or for coffee or invite them out for a walk. Go beyond small talk and ask them how they're doing and what their daily life is like. Follow people on social media that have different backgrounds than you have, whether it's a different race or religion or you know different political persuasion. Put away your phone when you're having conversations, even with the people you see every day, so that way you can fully listen and notice their facial expressions and their gestures. So don't just stand in someone else's shoes, as the saying goes. Take a walk in them. Attend someone else's, you know, maybe their church or their mosque or synagogue or some other house of worship. Now, this might seem a little extreme for some people, and, you know, and I get it, but if you wanted to go the extra mile, you, you know, you could visit a, a village in a developing country and do some volunteer work. That's a pretty extreme way, but, you know, people do that, and, you know, maybe you're going to get some value out of it. You could just spend time in a different neighbourhood or just have a conversation with a homeless person in your community. If someone's behaviour is bothersome, think about why that might be. If it's your teenager, for example, start by acknowledging that he or she might feel stressed, but go a bit deeper. Consider what it's like to live their daily life. What, you know, what their bus ride is like, how much homework they have, how much sleep they're getting. You know, their, their life is very different to, to yours because they have all this social media, mobile phones, all that stuff didn't exist more than likely when you were a kid. If you need a reminder of the importance of sleep, go back to episode one and have a refresher. Also, you can join forces for a shared cause. Working on a project with other people reinforces everyone's individual expertise and humanity, and it minimizes the differences that can divide people. This can be anything that you're passionate about. Uh, maybe go and work in a community garden, do some organizing for a political party, join a church committee, and if you've experienced grief or loss, join with others who have experienced something similar. One of the important things is that we need to admit that we're biased. We're, we're all biased, and acknowledging that is the first step. The second step is taking action to overcome it. But you've got to be honest with yourself, because bias is a natural part of being human. You don't have to make excuses or be embarrassed about your bias. It's adaptive for us to take mental shortcuts and draw conclusions about people around us. So actively working to combat bias is you know, what really counts. Your privileges are things that give you special status and that you didn't earn and don't necessarily realise that you'd benefit from. One example in Australia is when Australians, unlike some refugees or um, other immigrants, for example, we probably don't worry about police violence during a routine traffic stop. Whereas perhaps in the refugee's country of origin, that might have been something to be fearful of, right? Another example is when someone you know, has been raised with enough money and has never really thought about whether or not they can afford to eat. We all have different identities and some make us privileged while others do the exact opposite. So to reiterate, talking to people helps. One of the most important ways to confront bias and privilege in your life is to hear from others about their everyday lives and consider how they're different from yours. It can be as simple as having a lunch with a colleague and asking about their routines or their life outside work. Maybe you'll learn that they leave work early to take care of a family member or drive a different route because they're afraid of interacting with police. Perhaps they never felt heard in meetings. 
the more you hear about the things that other people have to factor into their day, the more you recognize the things you don't have to pay attention to. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So, stand up for others. Empathy should drive us to act compassionately towards others. If you want to take a step further, take action. The next step after acknowledging your privileges is to put them to use on behalf of groups that don't have them. Some ways that you can do this are donating money to causes that help people in need, attend a rally in support of them, speak up when someone else makes a discriminatory comment or interrupts someone else. This is especially important to do when you're not part of that community being undermined. If someone interrupts somebody else, you can say something like, I think he or she was still in the middle of sharing their idea. Let's make sure that he or she has a chance to finish before we move on. You don't have to be rude or slap down the person interrupting. If someone makes an offensive joke or disparaging comment, you can simply say what you just said was offensive. You don't have to be a dick about it. You don't have to add a condescending tone. Simply make the statement in a neutral way. That's going to be the best way to get your message across and hopefully it'll make the other person think twice before doing it again. So, it's not all about you. Remember that you don't need to understand everything about someone to make them feel respected. Advocate for things that are going to help others, even if they don't directly affect you, like maybe helping to organize an event for a LGBTQ friend or colleagues, even though you may not be part of that community. Don't make assumptions about people based on what your life's like. 
when you're asking colleagues about their lives, don't assume, for example, that they have an opposite sex partner. Don't assume that they have the standard two or three children or a, you know, a luxurious home. In workplaces, women often do more of you know, what researchers call office housework. And that's like the unglamorous tasks like getting coffee for everyone in a meeting or arranging a colleague's farewell party. Recognize when this happens. And if you're not, you know, part of one of those groups, take on these tasks yourself and recruit others to do that as well. If you work in an office and the female secretary is always being requested to make coffees for everyone, imagine how she would feel if one day you asked her if you could make her a coffee. That might have very little meaning for her, but it could also make a day. Now, reading books, listening to podcasts, you know, these are some of the best ways to open your mind to the experiences of other people. Lose yourself in fiction. Reading fiction requires people to enter a character's mind and and their lives, and by doing so, it increases people's capacity to understand other people's thoughts and feelings. People who read literary fiction perform better on empathy tests and emotional intelligence. You enter the thoughts, the hearts and minds of another person who's not like you, and it really does help break down barriers. Choose novels with narrators who have lives and backgrounds unlike yours or who live in a different place or time. Choose diverse authors as well. Remembering, of course, that increasing our levels of empathy are good for us too. If you start showing empathy at work, you're going to get noticed, and that can have benefits for your career and also for the rest of your life. We can also learn from non-fiction as well. Read about the lives, the struggles, the fights against oppression from different groups of people. History books and essay collections are full of poignant people who have left their mark in the pages of history, and for good reason. We can take what they did and use it to improve our own lives by increasing our levels of empathy. Remember, empathy is great for others, but we can also improve our own lives by engaging in empathetic behaviours. Now, are there any negatives? Too much empathy towards others, especially when we're prioritising other people's emotions over our own, that can result in experiences of anxiety and depression, which explains why many of us feel bad when, you know, know, like we're watching the news and something awful's happened or, you know, perhaps is still happening. But on the flip side, pretending that the world is all rainbows and lollipops doesn't really do us any good either, right? Empathy depletes our mental resources. A constant demand on empathy leads to compassion fatigue and that's basically an acute inability to empathize. That's, you know, that's usually driven by stress and burnout, which is a more gradual and chronic version of this you know, so-called phenomenon. Health and human service professionals like doctors, nurses, social workers, correction officers, these are all good examples because empathy is it's central to their day-to-day jobs. Excessive empathy is the tendency to sacrifice your own needs for those of others, and that can lead to anxiety, feelings of trauma, and it can have increased absenteeism and and errors in, in your job performance. Demand for empathy is relentless in other sectors as well. Managers are required to motivate workers on a daily basis by understanding their experiences and, and perspectives and helping them find more personal meaning in their work. Customer service professionals have to continually quell the concerns of distress callers. Empathy is exhausting in any setting or role you know, where it's a primary aspect of their job. It's going to be emotionally draining. Leaders in an organisation are often faced with tough situations and must make crucial decisions and handle dissatisfaction from the staff that they manage, 
whether it's due to disappointment about a promotion they didn't get, domestic problems that are impacting their work, or conflict between co-workers. Taking on the emotions emanating from these issues leads to exhaustion. Empathy in leadership can be draining and it can be debilitating. An empathetic person, they might find there's simply just not enough to go around. Empathy does not just drain energy and cognitive resources, it also depletes itself. Devoting empathy to one person can result in not having enough in reserve for another important person in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, or another colleague. Taking time to listen to co-workers' problems and helping others with heavy workloads leaves empaths less capable of connecting with their own families or coping with work-related demands. Emotional residue accumulates, and that can lead the empath to eventually you know, shut down and become less willing or able to be empathetic. So preferential empathy can antagonize people who see us as protecting our own, which causes us to limit our capacity to empathize with those outside our immediate circle. This is easier to do because we care more about them to begin with. And this creates a gap that widens due to our limited supply of empathy and our desire to connect with you know, outsiders becomes less. Most people are likely to feel greater empathy for people like themselves and may feel less empathy for, for those you know outside their family or their community or even their ethnicity. The same principle holds for organizations. As leaders, empathy may cloud or distort our moral judgment. It encourages bias and makes us less effective to make wise or correct decisions. Compassion for your own employees and colleagues sometimes produce aggressive responses towards others. And more often, we find ourselves simply uninterested in empathizing with people outside our little circle. So misplaced loyalty or excessive empathy for those on the inside can also lead to dishonesty, cover-ups, and, and they're going to be detrimental to workplace morale and the integrity of the organization as a whole. In the same way, we subconsciously empathize with colleagues who are similar to us. They get offered better assignments, better positions, even though it could be unknowingly or even unintentionally. Empathy can also mislead us to hire and promote people like ourselves. This could create an organization that suffers from a lack of diverse perspectives, and that's going to you know, limit problem solving and creativity. Despite its limitations, empathy is essential at work. Managers should therefore ensure employees use it wisely and are not counterproductive through the misplaced use of it. This can be accomplished by applying the following techniques. You want to be objective. Scientists are not suggesting that empathy should be actively discouraged. There are times when stepping into someone else's shoes is a necessary first step towards positive action or care or help for others, but it needs to be combined with constructive action to have a real impact. Empathy needs to be accompanied by the skill and discipline to stand back, judge objectively, and act accordingly. Showing empathy towards your staff or colleague undergoing some sort of stressful situation could be tempered with mindfulness, selflessness, and compassion without getting swallowed up by the debilitating emotions. To be compassionate doesn't mean you have to share somebody's feelings. It's more about the idea of extending kindness towards others, right? So, Research suggests that a clearer distinction should be made between empathy and compassion. If empathy is about stepping into someone else's shoes, compassion is instead a feeling of concern for another person's suffering, which is accompanied by the motivation to help them. So, distribute or regulate your empathy. 
If your business or your role in that business is to regularly dish out empathy, ask each employee to concentrate on a certain team rather than empathizing with everyone and anyone. Some employees might, for example, focus primarily on customers and others could focus on coworkers. In this way, you're gonna create like a, a, like a mini task force to meet different people's needs and, you know, and make the work of developing relationships and gaining these perspectives less consuming for individual staff. So by distributing the caring responsibilities across your team or your company, empathy becomes less bounded when managed across employees. So you might even consider splitting up your team of employees or staff into groups. You know, give people breaks. Despite the general perception that empathy comes naturally, it takes a lot of mental effort to get into another person's mind and then to respond with compassion rather than indifference. As with any other occupation that requires periodic relief that, you know, from demands made by the work itself, employees also need breaks from empathy. Encourage employees to take time to focus on their, you know, their interests outside of work or during scheduled work breaks. Focused breaks inevitably lead to feeling more empathy for others. When people feel restored, they're going to be better able to perform demanding tasks you know, of figuring out and responding to what others need. For example, now say group one takes care of customers on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and group two takes care of customers on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and, and maybe you switch it back and forth every month or so. In this way, firstly, you, know, you have a reserve of people should any particular day get out of control for whatever reason. And you also give your staff a break or you know, time to recharge between alternate days. Now, of course, I realize that that might not be practical in all scenarios or all companies, but it's still worth considering, right? So you, you wanna also wanna try and develop mindfulness. A study inspired by scanning the brains of Buddhist monks revealed that it's possible to foster greater compassion in people via simple training methods based on mindfulness. You know, that's where the goal is to feel positive and warm thoughts about others without necessarily focusing on looking through someone else's eyes. In other words, greater compassion can be achieved without putting yourself in someone else's shoes. By comparing this training with techniques designed to create greater empathy, they found that it reduces the effects of empathetic distress and makes people more likely to be motivated to help others. Sweet. So now you should have a better understanding of empathy, sympathy, and compassion, and also have gained a bit of knowledge around how to manage your levels. Because as we've learned, myself included, we only have a limited amount of empathy to give before we need a break and we need to recharge. It's particularly important if you're in one of those jobs or roles where providing empathy is part of your everyday work. And again, I'm talking about the doctors, the nurses, people who work with special needs, children, the elderly, you know, vets, vet nurses, a whole bunch of you out there. And I'm not gonna list every, every single job or every single profession, you know, you get my point. These are the people that need to be a bit more aware on how to dispense empathy in a more regulated way. For the rest of us, you know, where dispensing empathy isn't a daily thing or a constant thing, we can afford to be a little less regulating and could probably benefit from trying to increase our levels through some of the ways I spoke about earlier. So that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some value out of it. And hopefully you can start applying some of the techniques to better manage or increase your levels of empathy. 
Thanks for listening to the end. I'm loving the support I'm getting from you guys. I love the emails from people who are employing some of the practices I've spoken about in previous episodes. And also want to confirm that all emails are totally confidential. I don't share them with anyone. And I would never talk about them in episodes unless you specifically say it's okay to do so. But even then, my default would always be to keep your identity totally confidential. Please continue to rate and review. It helps push the podcast higher up the list and makes it easier to find. And of course, I can't say this enough, share an episode link you know, with your friends, your family, your classmates, your co-workers, strangers on a bus. If you think they can benefit from the information, or even if you think they might just be interested in the topic that I'm discussing this week, you might find that the improvements you're trying to make towards an improved life are easy if you have a podcast buddy that's on the same journey as you. And of course, you can always email me at any time if you, you know, have a, an episode suggestion or if you want to say hello or even if you just want to tell me what I could do better. Happy to hear it all. Positive, negative, whatever. The podcast email address is improvemepodcast at outlook.com. And as always, try to imitate my blood type and be positive. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, because we live in a litigious world where some people refuse to take responsibility for their own actions and are always looking for someone else to blame, I'm forced to remind you that this podcast is for knowledge and entertainment purposes only. Always consult a qualified professional before taking any health, psychological, pharmaceutical, mental or physical advice. Never rely on information from a podcast.